0: Welcome to the University of Coruscant. As part of your enrollment here, you have access to the attached Holonet recording. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Ancient Sith. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Revan and Malek. If you have any questions about this lecture or wish to contact us, please visit university. Of Coruscant.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to be back in the Grand Lecture Hall here at the University of Coruscant. It's been a wild semester, and I hope you've all enjoyed the holo lectures. And also, I know you've enjoyed my new holo drama, Tauntaunado, because the numbers are through the roof. I want you all to know that I had zero doubts of its success. I remember thinking each day that I was on the set what a fantastic job everyone was doing and how spectacular the end results were going to be. And also, a big round of applause for my TA Todd for all the great work that he's done over the semester. My favorite Mon Cal here was skeptical at times, but I would always tell him Todd, that's his name. A lot of people call him Tom or Rob, but I like to make sure that they get it right. Out of respect for him, you know. I would say, Tom, sometimes you have to have the confidence that you're working with true professionals. What can I say other than thank you for bringing my career back to the top and I'm not going to lie, it's nice to be rich again. <laughs> I think the biggest secret to the success of this particular hollow was really seeing and understanding the whole picture as it was unfolding. Knowing how each element fit into the grand puzzle that is a masterpiece like Tauntonado. That was really a key element. Also that it was a comedy. Apparently. Down to business. We've got one lecture to go. We've spent a whole semester telling the tales of the great ancient dark side users in galactic history. We started with the ancientist, Marco Ragnos, the granddaddy of them all, and worked our way through a number of different attacks on both the Jedi and the Republic. Plenty of red lightsabers to go around, but I can definitely say that our final Sith Lords, particularly one of them, caused the most havoc of any of them. You see, for this particular buddy story, it wasn't enough to just decimate the Mandalorians. Why stop there? How about dealing it out to the Jedi? And then to top it off, let's go after the Sith themselves. I give you the tale of Revan and Malak. Around 4,000 years BBY, say with me, before the Battle of Yavin, we're going to get University of Coruscant History Department shirts that say that on there, I swear. Anyways, 4K BBY, in the Outer Rim somewhere, a human male is born. We don't know his original name, but this child would become Revan, so I'm just going to use that name for now. Strong with the Force, kids are easily identified early, even in the Outer Rim, although, Sometimes on particularly hot and sandy planets, it can be harder. Revan ends up being whisked away to become a Jedi, and guess who ends up being one of his most prominent instructors? Who wants an A-plus for recollection from earlier lectures? That's right, it's Master Treya. Remember Treya, our existentialist who becomes Darth Kreya? Well, for a Jedi like Revan, the teachings of Treya are pretty hard to resist. And it's there that he meets the other half of our buddy Hollow, a human student around his age by the name of Alec. Alec was born on a planet called Quelly, which was about to have a very bad experience with the Mandalorians. You see, this period was known as the Mandalorian Wars, which is pretty self-explanatory. The Republic was fighting the Mandalorians. Incidentally, if you recall semester one, when we talked about weaponry, and semester two, when we talked about Django and Boba Fett, we talked quite a bit about how Mandalorians were known as Jedi killers, both in their tactics and their loadout. Well, this is the time period when they honed those skills. It was only a blip in history, around 16 years at the most, and really only about four actually fighting the Jedi. But it was a really important time which would ripple through the future of war for millennia. Now that I think of it, I can't think of a shorter, more historically important period until about 4,000 years later when you have the Clone Wars, which was strangely almost about the same length. I mean, who says you need a thousand-year war to be important? Anyways, where was it? Oh. So Alec's homeworld is destroyed by the Mandalorians, but Alec escapes. It shapes his mindset, though. Seeing your homeworld wrecked by T-shaped visors will... that'll leave an impression. Alec, like Revan, is identified as a Force-sensitive and swept up by the Jedi. It's with Master Treya that the two stars of our story meet. Treya's existentialist teachings, and her love of asking hard philosophical questions, that really fit Revan's personality. Revan was a prodigy, and I'm sure you've heard this plenty this semester. He had a great thirst for knowledge. It's funny, when you think of the things that have fueled the greatest Sith of that time, it's gotta be hunger for knowledge that tops the list. Anybody can swing a lightsaber, but you don't get on the top 9 in this class without being tremendously powerful, and knowledge is apparently the way to get power. While Revan was a star, Alec was good, but just like a half step behind. My money says Alec would have been the star of any other class, but Revan was a generational talent. More than that, he was an all-time head on Mount Mothma talent. It's kind of unfair to Alec, but, I mean, them's the breaks, kid. (laughs) Revan starts to take Treya's lessons to heart, and he starts to become unsatisfied with the Jedi's passive actions on the war. He wants to experience that battle, to make those life-and-death decisions. He feels like it's his time to impact the galaxy and drive out the Mandalorians. The Jedi are still on the sidelines of the Mandalorian Wars and... Revan isn't having it, so he, with his right-hand man Alec, gather up a bunch of like-minded Jedi and defy the Order. Alec, by the way, is treating Revan as the master in that typical apprenticeship at this point. And Revan, well, his star is shining brighter on a galactic scale now. He's started a bit of a thing, unintentionally, called the Revanchist movement. Or Revanchist. You'll hear people butcher this either way. I'm gonna go with Revanchist. A crusading leader who defied the Jedi Council to save the Republic. Remember, Revan's original name is lost to history, but he's referred to as the Revanchist leader, and eventually just the Revanchist. The Revanchist travels around like a prophet spreading the word that it's time for the Jedi to take action. He's on a planet called Cathar, where the local Jedi tell him that the Mandalorians are no big deal and just chill out. Revan picks up a Mandalorian mask under his foot and has a force vision, which are always the coolest. You know, I don't see why they say that those are so hard to interpret. To me, I've only ever heard about the ones that basically come true. If I was a Jedi, I would take those to the bank. Well, the Revanchist sees a vision of a Mandalorian pleading with a lieutenant of Mandalore the Great who was named Cassus Fett. The Mandalorian pleads for him not to kill the Cathar because it would just be genocide. Fett says that the honor of Mandalore is at stake and he kills everyone, including the protesting Mandalorian whose mask the Revanchist now holds. So. The revanchist puts on his now famous mandalorian face mask on, raises his super cool violet lightsaber, and says that their cause is his cause now. He is now Revan, and he is about to seriously go off. If his revanchist followers were on the fence before, he's now basically the rock star messiah and his number of followers balloons. Now I haven't talked a lot about Alec because right now he's kind of second fiddle to Revan. Alec is the top lieutenant by a wide margin, and a force unto himself. But if you want to look to see the difference in charisma between Revan and Alec, all you have to do is look at the name. When Revan walked away from the Jedi, everyone saw his defiance. When he became the revanchist, he didn't shrug it off, and when he took the name Revan, it was a thumb in the eye of the Order. Alec, on the other hand, didn't have that confidence. When he left the Order to follow Revan, he feared retribution and sought to hide his identity by changing his name to Malik. I know, but that's seriously the story. I really don't understand how being the right hand of Revan and being formerly known as Alec and now Malik is somehow giving you a secret identity, but whatever. Do you know any good Jedi spies? I sometimes think that they believe that the rest of us are complete morons. This would definitely be one of those examples. (laughs) Either way, everybody knows it's him, but he keeps the name Malak because, well, he's not Revan. Revan has his eyes on the prize, and that prize is at the very top of the Mandalorian army. Mandalore the Ultimate. If you know anything about Mandalorians, you know that they are a tough group to wrangle, being a clan-based system. So a guy that earns the name Mandalore the Ultimate, he's gonna be pretty special. Revan, as a general, is pretty special too. The Republic and the Mandalorians have been slugging it out for a few years now, and it's tough fighting. Malik is carrying his weight, as is the General Mitra Surik, whom you may recognize from the Kraya lecture. Lots of casualties on both sides, but particularly the Republic. During an intense fleet battle, Mandalore the Ultimate sees things going badly and decides that he wants to cast a decisive blow, so he challenges Revan to single combat. This was a mistake. It's a good fight, but Revan, using a blue lightsaber now, eventually cuts down Mandalore the Ultimate. As the Mandalorian leader is at Revan's feet, Mandalore says that he was deceived, that the Mandalorians were tricked into this war by a red-skinned Sith. At this time, the Sith are believed to be gone, which is just so Sith. He gives Revan the location, and Revan is taken aback. Mandalore dies, and just for good measure Mitra Surik sets off the Republic's superweapon, the Mass Shadow Generator, which decimates the now leaderless Mandalorians who surrender unconditionally. The war is over, but Revan tells Malak of the existence of the Sith. Malak isn't convinced, it's true at all, but Revan certainly is. And if you're the master, then well, you call the shots. So Revan and Malak disappear into the outer rim with their remaining forces. They say that they're hunting fleeing Mandalorians, but they're not. They're following Mandalore the Ultimate's dying instructions on how to find the Sith, and they do on a planet you will all recognize, Dromund Kaas. And guess who's waiting for them there? The Sith Emperor. When Revan and his boy wonder, Malak, come charging in, the Sith Emperor shows them what true power is and dominates their minds. Let's just unpack this for a second, alright? Revan, the revanchist, the prodigy Jedi who defied the Order and just snuffed out Mandalore the Ultimate, walked face first into an absolute buzzsaw in the Sith Emperor. And that's what kind of matchup this was. At that particular time, Revan was completely unprepared to meet a Sith of this caliber. Malak wasn't even an afterthought. Now, I think it has to be noted that some historians have a bit of a nuanced take on this. They think that Revan was primed for this kind of defeat. He'd defied the order and waged years of a war which changes a Jedi. He'd been dealing in death and Suffering for quite a while now, and he had to make a lot of moral compromises, because that's what war is. And on top of that, he just watched Mitra Surik smash an entire fleet of unsuspecting Mandalorians with the mass shadow generator. So it might not have been the lopsided matchup that it appears to be. Revan and Malak might have already been teetering on the gray edges of the dark side when they met the Sith Emperor. And like any good Sith, he just capitalized on his advantage. I think that makes a lot of sense, and, well, that's why I'm not a historian, I'm just a fan of history. So the Sith Emperor dubs them Darth Revan and Darth Malak, gives them a bunch of fancy new clothes, Darkseid being very fashionable, always, always in history, very fashionable, and he sends them right back to where they came, Uh, but this time with a new mission. Bring down the Republic, Jedi and all. And boy, do they hit the ground running. Needless to say, the Republic is not in great shape right now, coming off a war and all. To see a supposedly extinct Sith army show up, being led by your prodigal Jedi and his lieutenant, well, that's a real brown robes moment. (laughs) The two didn't just show up on the ships they left in. They had an enormous fleet. Where did they get this? Revan had been tracking down some ancient Rakata technology and was experimenting with the Star Forge at the direction of the Sith Emperor. In its simplest description, the Star Forge could create the basic building blocks of life and even life itself from almost anything you gave it. Malak saw this as a way to build an infinite fleet. Revan saw this as much, much more but he needed a fleet too. During the campaign, the two friends drifted apart. The master-apprentice relationship became much more rigid in the Sith style. Revan embodied the power and Malak craved it, just like Bane intended it to be. Malak got a little too big for his Sith robes one day and called out Revan as being soft for wanting to capture a planet instead of destroying it. Malak attacked Revan. Remember Mandalore the Ultimate? Yeah. Big mistake, Revan took off Malak's jaw, and while Darth Malak lived, that's how he got his iconic metal mouthplate. Lesson learned. Or was it? Later in that same year, a Jedi by the name of Bastila Shan led a strike force to take out Revan by boarding his ship. During the fight, Shan and Revan were engaged in combat when Malak saw the opportunity from his own ship. Malak's starship fired at the bridge of Revan's ship, dealing it a fatal blow. The ship burst into flames and Malak thought that he was finally the new dark lord of the Sith. What Malak didn't know is that Revan sustained some serious head injuries in the blast, which put him completely out of commission and was whisked off by Bastila Shan and her strike team. Revan awakes on a Republic ship and has no idea who he is, but he's told that he's a Republic soldier, and he's given a backstory and everything. He can't even remember how to use the Force. This is all set in place by the Jedi and particularly Basta Shan. Now, most people don't know Revan's face because he always wore that Mandalorian mask. Plus, who's going to believe this rookie foot soldier is actually the presumed dead Dark Lord of the Sith? So long as the Jedi keep their mouths shut, it's not a bad plan. Of course, that presumes that he won't rediscover himself, which you just know is gonna happen. But Sean really makes a go at it. She developed a force connection during her fight with Revan when they both sustained injuries from Malik's attack. Sean thinks that there's some Jedi Revan still in there, and she thinks she can pull it out over time. It's pretty manipulative and dangerous, but she's kind of like ex-girlfriends of mine. Determined to make me less embarrassing. To the Jedi Order, that is, in Revan's case. In my case, it was mostly about answering the door in my underwear. I mean, but hey, you came to my door! Anyways, so to recap before the big finish, Revan thinks he's a Jedi. Bastila Sean and Revan have a force connection and Malak is the big baddie who is continuing to seek out the Starforge in order to create an unlimited fleet. You can't keep a talented guy like Revan down, so of course he becomes awesome again and eventually catches up with Malak. Revan's secret identity at this point is starting to burst at the seams and everyone but Revan has already figured it out. So, of course, Malak is the guy to ruin the party. When the two meet up, Malak lets the loathcat out of the bag and tells Revan who he really is while they're having a duel. Nice. Bastila steps in and sacrifices herself in order to allow Revan to escape after Malak proved that Revan still doesn't have his A game back. Revan's got a lot of thinking to do right now. Does he go back to the dark side, take out Malak, and run rampant all over the galaxy? Because you know Malak is not going back to being a sidekick. Or does he stay vanilla Revan and take out Malak, but this time for the Jedi? Either way, he's going back to Malak, and he's going to have to go to the Starforge itself to make it happen. But he's confronted by Bastila Shan instead, her being converted by Malak. Now, call it a force bond, call it a lot of time in an inappropriate teacher-student relationship. Either way, Revan's in love with Bastila, and when he defeats her, she begs him to kill her. That's not gonna happen. He brings her back to the light, lots of last-minute conversions in this story, but not with this next guy. Revan finally catches up with Malak, and they have a duel for the ages. But this lecture is not titled Malak and the People He's Defeated. Revan takes the day, and Malak and his metal jaw are retired permanently. Revan's got a whole life afterwards, which continues to run smack into another of our previous lectures about the Sith Emperor. But I think that the buddy tale of Revan and Malak is its just spectacular. They really should have made a hollow or a game about these two. I'll bet it'd be one of the greatest of all time. At least one of my favorites. All right. Whew. That was a long one, but it was a good one. Let's do it one more time. How about it? Question from the audience. Oh, I see him now. This is becoming tradition. It's our favorite Jedi Padawan, Blur Lightfire. are the jedi classes going well lightsaber combat is pretty exhausting but what i'm really enjoying is my influencing classes influencing oh that's great i read that works pretty well on the weak minded so i don't want to see you taking advantage of poor todd over there that'd be easy pickings even for a beginner like you my teacher says i'm pretty good you're pretty good have a natural talent you have a natural talent <laughs> anyways after teaching a whole semester about ancient sith have your opinions changed at all ah, as usual that is an excellent question blur I guess it's always hard to recreate feelings you had before they've changed or frankly to be objective about your own feelings at all But even being forced to consider these difficulties makes me realize that, yes, my opinions have changed. And, by a lot, Sith Lords are supposed to be the definition of evil, the simple opposite of everything good in the galaxy. It should be easy. What's bad? I mean, Sith Lords are bad. But are they? I mean, we just went through nine of the supposed worst creatures in the galaxy, ten actually, and I dare say that most of them aren't even close to the worst. A few of them, like Kreia, I won't call evil and I struggle to even call bad. She was just making decisions using a different philosophy. And that's not even considering the upbringing a few of them had. If you're raised into a world where might makes right and you just happen to be really talented, well, Who am I to say that you should have somehow taken a lighter path? Would the galaxy have been a happier place without some of these Sith Lords? Probably. But honestly, most of our Sith Lords, when you really break them down, have understandable and maybe even relatable stories, and that's what makes them interesting. Now, there are some ancient Sith Lords in history who just had nothing but pure evil inside of them. And I don't find that interesting or impressive. I can relate to them no more than I can move that chair over there by just waving my hand at it. (laughs) Todd, tell me that was you. Sir, that was definitely not me. The dean is not gonna like this. This concludes your selected lecture from the University of Coruscant. For all questions or to contact us, please visit the theuniversityofcoruscant.com. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com.